Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about reducing screen time in their home. I have the privilege of being on the Screen Strong team. As of just a few weeks ago, officially, I've been hanging out with them since March, but I'm officially the marketing director and also a Screen Strong ambassador. And we're just so, so excited to be doing the book of the month um, for 2021. And as you know, we started off January with Breaking the Trance, which is a phenomenal book. I know that Melanie pulled out of a lot and she sent it to me early on in our relationship. She's like, you have to read this book. So it's now my, my, my screen Bible, you know, that I use for everything now. It's all marked up and everything. So hopefully you enjoyed it this past month. And now, of course, we have the honor to have um, Cynthia and George on with us, which is just phenomenal that they've taken time out of their busy schedules to kind of bounce things back and forth with us and answer your questions and all of that. So um, just FYI, we are recording today, but just the audio. So no need to worry if you do want to come on screen and show your beautiful face. We'd love to see your face um, if that's not going to be recorded. But the audio you'll be able to find later on our podcast, which is Screen Strong Families. Um, and so you can go and if you haven't gone and found that yet, be sure because there's some great podcasts on their episodes with Cynthia and George earlier this month that you don't want to miss. Um, sure you do that but that's where you'll be able to find it if you want to share this awesome content um you know later or go back to it and listen and take more notes right so without further ado i want to introduce our lovely founder of screen strong melanie hempy and a lot of you are familiar with her name if you're in our group um, or you've listened to the podcast you might be familiar with her story but she's the one that got this whole thing going and has such a passion for you and for families and for kids and so she's awesome. So I'm going to hand it over to her so she can introduce the authors and then we will get started. And then we'll get started. Mandy, thank you so much. I'm just so excited to be here. I want to introduce Olivia over here. Olivia is our behind the scenes um, right-hand man. <laughs> she does <laughs> programs so director at all. But That's right. <laughs> and everything else. And um, so we're, our team is growing. Um, we're very excited for the help that we have. And I just want to introduce George and Cynthia. I, um, behind me, you can see all these books. I'm not one of these people that sit in front of bookcases that have books that I don't read. I have read almost all these books. And I would say that very truthfully, I have spent eight years reading every book out there on this subject. And when I read Breaking the Trance, it quickly became my favorite in my top three, probably because it took everything that I had been reading it. Somehow it just put it all under one roof. And that's why I was so excited about this book. It just, and I could tell when I was reading it that these people really knew what they were talking about. They weren't just up here in an ivory tower. They were like boots on the ground, like, like we are with this issue. So I was so excited that um, after I finished it, I read it again, I read it twice. And then I took all these notes. So if you need the cliff note version, I have it. And then um, anytime someone volunteers with us, I go over to Amazon and I just send them a copy, you know, like it's sort of their, um, their test to get into our club. <laughs> they have to read this book. So George and Cynthia, I'm so excited to meet y'all and to have become friends with you guys. And we're so thrilled to have you. George has been a psychotherapist for 30 years. So he has lots of experience and lots of um, um, stories and experience with families and children who have neuropsychological issues. Cynthia has five children and has worked in people's homes for years with her 
um, in-home individualized therapeutic tutoring um, outfit that she has. So <laughs> Cynthia, I mean, I can hardly get past the fact that you have five kids. Um, that alone <laughs> qualifies you. And George, the fact that you work with all these families for this long, we are so thrilled that you are here. And like I said, I just feel such a warm connection with you guys. Um, Cause you're in this space and your message is so aligned with our message. And it is just about time that we start getting this movement out there and just start helping families really enjoy their kids again and give them the tips and the information, the education that they need to just pause this whole digital mess, you know, for a while, um, while we get their brains all squared away <laughs> before they get all messed up. So Mandy, why don't we start with the, um, the first question? Mandy's going to be handling our our um, questions and then George and Cynthia both will respond and I'll, I'll pipe in, but I'll try not to pipe in too much. <laughs> and if you're just joining us in the last couple of minutes too, if you have some specific questions that you want to put in the chat, we'll try to get to those as well. We've pulled a lot of these questions out of our Screen Strong Families group. Um, so these are from real people with real problems and real kids. Okay. We didn't make them up. So I'm just going to start off on the subject of school screens. Okay. Cause that's a big thing right now, whether your child in-person school or virtual, most likely they're having to be on a screen. Um, you know, a lot of schools are priding themselves on that, that they can give kids computers. <laughs> so let's talk about that real quick. This first question that came in on Facebook was, what do we do when we can't get the school's cooperation? Our high school um, has all handheld devices during school and even, or they allow it, and they even allow Minecraft on Chromebooks. Um, kids are supposed to have um, their Chromebooks at all times at school. And my son frequently games on his during class without consequence from the school. I've met with the counselor and principal and I'm not getting anywhere. So what is your best advice, Cynthia or George? Go ahead, George. I'm, okay. I'm well, I mean, one thing that occurs to me there is I, it, it, you know, this is going to, uh, very school to school, uh, to me, if I were in that parent's place, I mean, I could look at this two ways. One way I could look at it from the uh, Victoria Dunkley idea of uh, screen media use and internet addiction is, is now a, you know, a diagnostic category in the ICD-11, you know, so it's a formal diagnosis. Uh, to get your doctor, uh, your individual physician, I, I love this idea to write a note saying that a particular kid uh, as, a, as is medically advised uh, not to be on screen media, but to have paper books, you know, paper materials, uh, the, the school needs to put together a program. Under the, uh, under the law, my understanding is that they have to do that. You know, that's one thing. The other thing is to, uh, you know, with an individual principal, it's allowing Minecraft. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Uh, to me, that's about, uh, parents organizing through the PTSA, uh, get together with some of the special, the, the parents of um, special education children, and you'll find out how those parents over the years have learned to leverage their power as a group to make schools come around to help their kids. So I think in one hand, one hand there's there, you need to get comfortable with organizing locally. On the other hand, you could, you could, you know, given the right documentation, make this a medical issue and come at it that way uh, to, but it, it, it seems to me like 
one way or the other, you, you need to get the principal's attention into my rant here in a second. Principals are very powerful people. I've presented to groups of them, and I've never been like in a group of like 30 principals, like, my God, you know, it's like you feel the power. They're used to getting their way. They're used to their, it's like a military thing. So they understand power. They understand what happens when parents get together. They are bureaucrats also. So all of those kind of things to me could be leveraged to bring them around to see the light with regard to this issue. Um, the other thing I was thinking is, at the end of the day, the parents are in charge. And um, I hear this all the time that the kids are, you know, allowed to do Minecraft or whatever. Um, that's very interesting. Number one, the camera has to be on with the teacher. And um, I think it was 75% of the people in the Seattle area, the cameras are not on. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a camera on, it isn't as effective to teach or to learn. Um, but the parents should be, you know, they are in charge. So why are you allowing this to happen? You can stop those things. You can stop having Minecraft. You can stop the screens, etc., and just have the Chromebook um, without all those other things. So the other thing is the school district could not allow. I think there are school districts that don't allow any of the other screen um, programs to exist on there. You know, whatever. Yeah, and they're saying that in the um, in in-person schools, sometimes that the parents don't have um, control over what's going on while they're at school, and that um, has happened in my situation too with our two 16-year-olds. And so I requested that we get textbooks for every subject for them, yeah. and um, the school had to give me textbooks. And yeah. so this actually changed one of my boys' grades overnight. It was unbelievable how he and he just kept saying mom I understand it now and you know he just sat down and read it instead of trying to do so it's, it can't be a, a one-size-fits-all for everybody and like George says it is very um uh it's it, it does work to get a, a doctor's note yeah um, yeah the actual physical textbooks are critical and, and, and if you if you look at uh uh just a, a quick note on uh Cupertino, Cupertino County, you know, where, where uh, Apple is located, uh, the great number of parents in that area that are, you know, parents, tech parents, you know, they work in the tech industry. They've actually put together a whole big initiative to keep the district from uh, giving iPads to all the kids. Now, this is, these are Apple employees, but mm -hmm. they know that kids do not learn on these devices. I mean, they're just, they're just, so second rate compared compared to paper and pencil and we can look at the the neurologic mechanics of all of that but these are smart people yeah check out cupertino. you're not buying the okie doke yeah the cupertino school district yeah sure. well cynthia when you are tutoring and in people in, in people's homes um on the on the chromebooks because i've heard this before about minecraft on the chromebooks is there a way for parents to get in there and take this stuff off because I think it's controlled by the school. Um, Technologically, George would be um, more adept than I am. I think, I think so. Um, um, I know their school districts, correct George and Bellevue that they don't allow um, certain yeah, things. So I think that it is up to individual school districts. 
Well, it's, it's, to me, it's a collaboration between districts and parents. In the Bellevue School District, where I'm located here, uh, and we're like 10 miles from Microsoft campus, mm-hmm. um, the, the, uh, they use App Parent, AP Parent. It's an application that allows the, the district or the parent to control, to monitor the use of the computer and control anything that goes on. Mm-hmm. So, so you can you know, Minecraft, you can get, you can close down Minecraft, you can, you, you, and to me, that's, that's what needs to happen. If kids are, are using computers for school, it, it has to be an open deal, you know, open information that the teachers, administrators at school, as well as parents can, uh, you know, tap into their own cell phones, see what the heck's going on with the kiddo, and then bang, 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 you know, and they can deal with it later on at dinner, you know, when the kids come and whatever, but it's sort of like, uh, yeah, there's there's all kinds of uh, technologic, you know, uh, solutions to this. Takes a little bit of a deep dive to get it though yes. sometimes, but it's worth but the, it. The most important thing is that the camera is on, and that for the yeah. kids to, um, you know, access the teacher, etc. So all of these teachers that I talk to, the cameras are all off, and the school districts are allowing this. So that is critical. The camera has to be on. Right. Right. Well, that is, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that goes into our next question, Mandy. Um, yes. And we're going to, I mean, it kind of answered it a little bit and then we're going to move on to the next one just for time's sake. But um, the second one was kind of around um, how do you keep your child on task? I think leaving the cameras on, you kind of were saying that Cynthia, but how, what's the best way if they're sitting, even we do everything we can to get them at the kitchen counter and make sure we're seeing what we're doing. Um, this person said, we're already smartphone free for our kids and require them to be, you know, right in front of us when doing homework. Um, but I don't want my full time job back of trying to stay one step ahead, you know, of my child. Like how do I keep them engaged to do schoolwork on the screen without getting distracted? You're, you're leaving the camera on. I'm not sure. Um, and, and there's no other devices. Um, That's yeah, a big they, key. They can't have their phone while they're in yeah, school. Not at all, or any other devices. And yeah. it's really important. A lot of students don't want to talk in class. And so that needs to be sort of um, talked about and drilled about and that it really is critical uh, because of social media and that, no, 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 you know, people are going to see me or I'll make a mistake or whatever. It's really critical. Gone are the days when teachers say, no, put down your hands. There are too many people talking. Um, it would be, you know, are any kids talking in class um, about the subject matter? So, um, yeah, that's really important. And to have a discussion about the subject matter with your kids, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Very good. You're talking about um, FDR. Well, who was FDR? What's happening? Um, because kids say to me on a daily basis, oh, YouTube, I can get any history. I don't need to read a history book. You know, so the, you know, I don't care about school is very much there. The more you do, the more you'll care. That's very good. Very good. Um, Okay, let's move on to the topic of bored kids, which we might spend a minute on. Um, (laughs) This is a question we get a lot in our group because it's, it's a real thing when you're trying to, you know, remove screens. But this particular person said, we removed his computer because he didn't keep his grades to A's and B's. He still has his phone but is giving us a hard time for removing it. I'm trying to come up with things to get him to do by asking what he wants, but he says he doesn't want to do, want to go or do anything. I'm stuck. When I hear bored, I know that kids are um, screen addicted. Um, yeah, so that's only, yes, yeah, always bored. School is so boring. Um, 
et cetera. Um, but once those, yeah, the screens have to be taken away and it's amazing how school becomes something that might be important, but you have to first start there. Um, so the kids that are up in the middle of the night, sleep is critical. So I have uh, students, students tell me everything. And um, so, and I'm doing all my tutoring now online, but um, when they tell me that they're drinking five Cokes, um, they're, um, and then they, and then they start school and then they fall asleep. So um, yeah, sleeping is really, really, really important. But if I hear bored, I know that's about screens. Yeah. Well, this, the next person had asked, is it really that big of a deal to fill that downtime with screens if they're bored? Why can't we fill it with screens? Oh, well, George. <laughs> okay, well, okay, well, you know, boredom is to me is like a, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just a standard part of the pitch the kids make. And if parents play into it, if the parents play into this idea that it's their responsibility to keep a kid entertained, right. uh, they're, they're kind of lost, you know, right at that point. Actually, parents need to look at their own lives and realize that when they were bored, boredom to me is the, is the ground for, from which imagination grows. It's like the fertile ground from which imagination grows. And you uh, look at it this way, you know, first with regard to the, to the cell phone and the computer piece, the kids are basically, they're, they're primarily addicted to their cell phones. I mean, they're addicted to any screen that they, I, I've seen kids, it doesn't matter, it gets pitiful. You know, when they look at like anything with a screen on it becomes associated with this dependence. But so taking the computers away to me is not as important as, as controlling the cell phones. Anyway, number one. Number two, um, with regard to boredom, uh, if they have to, if they if they don't have the the screen in front of them, they'll go through what uh, some people call the extinction burst. You know, they they fight. You know, and uh, uh, people talk about you know what happens when you take screens away. But eventually, they start devising using their imaginations and coming up with really cool stuff to do. And I've seen it happen time and time again. Parents have to have faith that this is going to happen. One and two, they have to know that. In a certain way, it's not their, resp it, it, they can't free their children from boredom. I mean, it's up to a, the kid himself, you know, to come up with stuff. So I don't know if that helps, but that to me is boredom is just part of the argument. And you just got to face it and say, okay, right. Uh, but, uh, you know, come in with, you know, some things that interest you. Anyway, I'll, I'll shut up. Uh, there, There's, uh, okay. I'm just thinking the, the, example of you know jobs and steve jobs you know when he was running apple and and gates etc the twitter dude they will do things like at, at dinner time you know on a revolving basis each kid has to give a little presentation on something they learned that was positive during the day so you know families can structure certain things uh that require kids to go out and and learn things mm -hmm. uh, does the kid know how to do his laundry you know, does he, you know, I mean, this, I sound like an old fogey saying this, but these activities of daily living are very important. Used to be uh, before screen media stuff in my practice here, like 10 years ago, I mean, kids, the, the whole thing was about chores and stuff like that. Well, that's all gone by the wayside. It's still super important. You take from the community as a kid, you got to give back to the community. And the, as a central value, I think that's important that parents, you know, get that I think the students that I don't see as much boredom in, they're outside 
um, yeah. you know, doing things outside a lot of times, biking, particularly, you know, in the Seattle area, you know, if we can do that kind of thing or walking, 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 doing all those things, because a lot of students are supposed to be doing PE classes. That's part of it online. And they're not, and they haven't been outside in days or weeks. And um, so being outside and having, you know, whether it's rain or sun, um, it's important. Yeah, COVID is not house arrest, okay? COVID <laughs> is so not house arrest. And when you look at the kids, you know, when we, Cynthia and I go for walking, uh, go for walks in her area, uh, there have been times we just, it's really cool to see families enjoying themselves in the front yard. I know it sounds old and funky, but in the front yard, uh, we were out walking on Halloween night. My goodness, the whole neighborhood, you know, people yeah. sitting out uh, six feet apart. They got the mask on. You know, maybe somebody's got a fire going there. You know, they got the candy set out on the on the pavement. You know, so people aren't coming up to the door. We've got to make these accommodations. But with a little creativity, people can really have fun outside. <laughs> they really can. Yeah, I want to just great. Go ahead. I want to just say something real quick about a, a tip for bored kids. And um, so this worked really well in our house. And I don't know, for some reason, our kids never tell us they're bored anymore because back years ago, I discovered um, that whenever anybody said they were, they were bored, I would go get the toilet brush and I told them they had to clean the bathroom. And so um, now for some reason, George and Cynthia, nobody ever says they're bored. It's like, it was just like a miracle. It's like a little magic wand. And so yeah. you might... You might we'll just reach for the, the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just reach for the uh, toilet brush and all of a sudden, oh, mom, no, I'm good. I, I'm going outside. I got it. I got it. So um, that really worked for us. Oh, my goodness. I love it. I love it. Okay. So that kind of takes us into our next one, Talk bringing up COVID and all that and being creative is we get a lot of questions about how to be social during the pandemic. So I'm going to kind of put these two questions together. Um, my son is 12. I've done so many things wrong that I have to make right. My biggest challenge is replacing in the midst of COVID. Other than school virtually, this is the only other connection he has with friends. That is my challenge. And another person asks similar, you know, during the pandemic, my teens can't see their friends. How else are they going to be social? I asked that to a student last night and he goes out, um, even though we're very COVID uh, oriented around here, but um, he goes out bike riding and so they stay apart and so forth, but they're bike riding outside and they meet at a school park and they do this, you know, on a daily basis. I have other students who um, get out and walk, um, you know, six feet apart and so forth uh, with their friends. Um, some kids talk on the phone. Wow, seriously, they actually talk on the phone? Um, because kids don't typically do that. And um, so there are ways. Yeah. We don't need 400 friends, by the way. Yeah, talk about that, Cynthia. <laughs> we really don't. And I see the anxiety, George really does. But I see the anxiety with students. No, no, no. You know, someone's going to say something about me. And um, you can't please everyone. And it's the, you know, how many likes you get and how many, all of those kinds of things. Um, that sort of, remember these industries, it's a $68 billion um, industry, um, either gaming or social media, all those things. It's a huge industry. They want our kids hooked. There's no question about it. Mm -hmm. And um, so the sort of importance of individuality and, you know, who you are, but yeah, the, yeah, it's, we don't need 
you know, how many kids? I, I, I still keep in contact with um, friends from high school, but I don't, it, it wasn't, I don't have 400 friends from high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to me, the, it gets to this, maybe a basic idea. I don't know if this is helpful, but social media isn't social. It's yeah. really anti-social. I mean, I, I'd i love to say that social media results in people getting together and people, you know, spending time with each other. And again, you got the COVID thing, but COVID isn't in house arrest. And COVID also doesn't make us radioactive. You know, we can be around each other with safe, you know, boundaries. But social media to me is simply advertising. It's way that, you know, guys make money. They make a mess of boatloads of money with it but they make money the same way that advertisers have always made money. And that's making people feel bad that they're not this way or they're not that way, or they don't have this many friends or they're not wearing. And in my generation, it's like, you got to use this kind of goober on your hair or you got to, you know, whatever the heck it is, you know, it worked though, George, look at your hair. (laughs) (laughs) Real cream. (laughs) You know, so that's all social media is, but kids have bought the okie doke and parents have bought it too. I'm sorry, you know, it's it's a tricky thing. You know, it's really tricky, but it's it's it doesn't have anything to do. And I think uh, Cynthia's right on, you know, so people develop their social identities and face-to-face interaction with each other as much as possible. And hard to do with COVID, but not impossible to do with COVID. Uh, that's how your social identity develops. And without that, you can see this with kids, you know, if kids spend all their time online and Cynthia and I both see this a lot, they stay young, you know, for yeah, the job, the Bob Dylan song, they stay young. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they don't mature. It's scary. You know, like, Whoa, you're, you're 17, you're 18. And you know, you actually look like you're more 13, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of your understanding of the world and social relationships, etc. Okay, Cynthia, that was that was good. Andy, could I could I just ask if Cynthia could just touch a little bit more or George on the idea of identity development in kids and what parents need to know about that? Because don't they have to be around all their friends? But you know, it's the whole idea of being more oriented towards your parents versus your friends. But talk a bit, just a minute, about the identity thing that George just touched on. Cynthia, do you want to do that? Go for it, George. Okay, so uh, identity develops, you know, uh, human process is about, uh, in in, in Melanie's, uh, uh, several of the videos that you guys have released, you know, Melanie, you talked about it, uh, Dante talked about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Identity develops as a result of human interaction. It's absolutely essential. So what that means, identity is simply... A, a person's self-statement, who am I, who are all these others, and what are we doing together? Those three extremely important questions go through iterations as a kid grows. And those iterations, you know, those, you know, cycles come at predictable times in a kid's life. Uh, usually, you know, end of elementary school, around middle school, then end of high school, young adulthood, then young adulthood, you know, I, I see it in my work with, with people in their 20s, you know, that are, uh, you know, that are working in, in tech in, in, in this area. At any rate, identity requires human interaction. It doesn't happen on its own. So if parents say, well, his grades are okay, but yeah, he's got, he's so, he lacks social confidence. 
he he can't he's lonely uh he doesn't know who he is he doesn't know what he wants to be um that's because he's not spending enough time in you know pretty much face-to-face -face interaction with other kids and spending way too much time uh just in a dark room playing his video game or on social media so his grades may be great but i'll tell you what you know you graduate from high school with a good gpa but you don't have but you're still looking at yourself as an 11 year old you're stuck good luck you know you are stuck and you're it's going to take some time for you to catch up so identity is super important and yes again COVID is a big challenge but that doesn't stop things in their tracks the challenge is to for parents to figure ways to get their kids together and melanie was has talked about you know she has kids come over to her house you, you can do it it's a challenge to create you know the creative imagination of parents uh to figure ways to actually get their youngsters together but it can be done and in that way the kids have the the, the struggle the push and pull of solving problems together dealing with you know envy and attractiveness and all these kinds of things that kids go through um so their their little personalities resolve out of that and grow to something different melanie do you have anything else you want to say to that or should i move yeah. on no i'm no 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 Very i good. just wanted him to explain that because i think it's really important because i think we think our kids need social media so our kids can find their identity and that's uh -huh. really a bad place to find your identity yeah you just look at the social media guys you know when they talk about this they're very clear about it uh this uh you know take it or leave it the uh social dilemma you know that's been running around we uh cynthia and i picked up on that a couple couple weeks ago and i don't know you know you can think this or that about it but they did have the you know the the guys that run these big organizations these big social media organizations and they were basically saying saying shame on us shame on us look what we're doing here you know it, it doesn't it you people don't grow their personalities don't grow through the use of social media they mm -hmm. atrophy they atrophy yeah. Yeah, screens repl replace social skills. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's critical. And that's why it's nice to have dinners together. Many, many families don't eat at all together anymore. And kids are eating alone with their screens in their bedrooms. Um, I think it's important to have that social contact. Um, tell me about what you learned today. I want to know. Come on, let's read about it. Um, you know, drill down on it. Because comprehension, reading, writing is going by the wayside. And academically, people are really, really regressing academically. Um, school is not that important to kids. And um, good luck on that. Yeah, it's a huge challenge too, because school is not that compared to social media or a video game. No. It, it's really not that interesting. You know, it's like, <laughs> duh. Yeah, when I was at school the other, um, we most of our schools are not face-to-face. Um, but um, the last time I was at school, I was helping a teacher and it was, I think there was about, it was in high school, about 35 kids. And he was walking around and he said, um, those of you who are listening today, we, we are having a quiz, a, a, a final this uh, Thursday. And I just, you know, his voice began to get higher. And, um, you know, I just want you to know, and I looked around and I would say, Oh, 60%, no, probably 80% of the kids had their phones right on the desk. It was no big deal. And, um, and afterwards I said, 
you know, good grief. How do you deal with that? Well, if the principal isn't going to do anything, if the superintendent isn't going to do anything, I'm not going to do anything. And the kids just simply do not care. And this was, um, yeah, juniors in high school. So, yeah. So okay, let's move. Oh, sorry. Yeah. sorry. Okay, let's move on to the next um, topic. This is also, I mean, all of these are such a big issues, but um, this person's asking, you know, about their, they have a 14 year old boy. How do we maintain our plan, like from their home, when he goes to friends' houses? He's very angry with us for the restrictions and feels they're very unfair. He threatens to move out almost daily, but he won't because of he's 14, you know, due to lack of funds or job. Um, what do you recommend we do to prevent him from gaming when at school or at other people's homes? Okay. Well, let me just take a quick swing at that. <clears throat> There's so, you know, parents can control certain things and they can't, they, they can control what happens in their own homes. I mean, um, I think that's the most important thing. You know, parents, the kids look at their parents and go, they're, they're looking at their parents for modeling, for one thing. You know, are parents modeling, uh, are, they, are they walking the walk, in the walk? You know, they can walk the walk, they can talk the talk, but can they walk the walk? Are they walking the walk? And so if a kid is at home and yes, you know, and the parents are saying, they're holding firm on this thing with screen media. And I've seen it. I really respect and I can see the positivity in these families. When and I, I, in Melanie's family, you name it, you know, it, you don't have to look far to find if a family is holding the line on screen media, it's just a more healthy environment. So then, so, and the kid of course is, you know, fighting a good fight, you know, to get his, his whatever it is, his screen media fix. But, and then he goes to his friend's house and he goes nuts on that. Um, there's just so much you can do. I mean, parents can talk to other parents, but I, I, you know, I think the important thing is it's when the kid comes home, you know, what, what, what are the standards when the kid comes home? You just extend this a little further. I think that you're going to see more, uh, and I know there's more what we would call parental alienation when you have a divorced family and the dad and the mom and the dad lets the kid play the, the thing or the mom lets the kid play the thing and, and the other parent doesn't that 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 is brutal because i will see kids split and and go into alliance with whatever whoever parent lets them play and actually turn against the other parent uh who is who is being the good parent and that breaks my heart when i see that and all i can say with that is like uh, you know, that's the way it is. You know, there's not much you can do about that given the, the the rights of parents in the system, but maybe there'll be more at some point, you know, that will become, you know, a, a standard thing when people go through, you know, divorce, whatever. But anyway, there's just so much you can do. Do what you can. Don't beat yourself up for not being able to control the whole thing with kids because you can't, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have their thing. Uh, they're going to, you know, at some part of this, you know, they're going to, they're going to get their deal. Uh, but it's when they come home, that's what's important, you know, what's waiting for them and what the values are that guide them at home and what their parents' values are that guide them when they're home. And they can analyze it at dinner also about, tell me about John, you know, what, you know, is he sleeping at night? Is he, what are his grades like? You know, it sounds like he has fun, but what are his, like, does he have any, um, you know, uh, chores that he has to do at home. What does he have to do? You know, is he in sports at all? So um, to have some kind of analysis to sort of drill down on things. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, you know. Yeah, what else is making his life move? You know, yeah. 
yeah. used to be these things were really important. You know, before screens and stuff came along, you know, it was a whole different conversation with parents about their kids. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. now the screens are like, uh, they, they're what I call eating the whole enchilada. You know, they're just taking all the kids' energy. And they are a waste of time. I know I sound like an old fogey. Screens <laughs> are a waste of time. You know, you can get some good stuff. You know, it, it's easier to write a book. I'll tell you, you know, Cynthia and I wrote, wrote a book. I've written several of them. It's much easier to write a book now with the internet out there and all the resources. But for, for entertain, you know, for school and kids going through, through school, boy, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry this is happening, but you get nothing from it. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, what about this too? I would also like to know how and when to in introduce healthy screen use. Since our kids are young, ages seven, five, three, and one, they don't need screens, but I would like to know how to gradually give them more access as they get older. Wow. Um, Asher is a great example. He's my uh, four and a half year old uh, grandson, and um, they've never had screens. And um, one time we were there at Christmas and one of my daughters, um, he saw her cell phone and iPhone, I think. And um, so um, he, he had never seen a cell phone and sort of looked at it. And then uh, Renetta gave it to him and um, he was throwing it all over and just um, entranced with it because he had never seen it. But I thought that's really weird. But um, all the things he's doing now um, is amazing. Um, and he wouldn't do them if he, he's never seen screens. They don't, you know, allow screens at all. And it is amazing to see people be so excited about living and the outside and numbers and letters and reading and reading and reading. Um, yeah, um, those kinds of things. So, yeah, it's exciting to see people be love to read and um, readers are leaders and it does matter one way to look at this i, I love this and watching asher with this i was there was was fascinating because <laughs> i mean he had never had us you know you see the power of this device you know yeah. he was just like all over it you know and doing what a four-year-old had never seen it before he was like a primitive man he was like he was like two at the time yeah so or two was, two he yeah. Was throwing he was just, it and yeah all throwing it, bouncing out and making it do things but he was fascinated with it. Here's the deal. Firstly, the first consideration here, I think, is like, what does the what does a cell phone or a video game access or what do, what does that have to do with a, a child's positive development? If you look at it that way, you could say he gets a, you know, he gets a telephone, you know, whatever, you know, a, a dumb phone uh, when he's an adolescent to talk to his friends or. Maybe when he's in middle school, a dumb phone. Yeah. He doesn't need a screen. He doesn't need a cell phone. When he's 18 and he decides, okay, you know, I'm going, I'm leaving home now. Um, he can make his own decisions about that. But mm -hmm. while he's growing up, I'm not sure that parents, you know, again, you got to fight the good fight. You know, they're going to fight with you. It's like, who's in charge? You know, the parents have to be in charge, but uh, I wouldn't agonize too much over, uh, you know, when you get a cell phone. I mean, the worst case scenario or sort of a, you know, a dial down from this is, again, using the, 
you know, Bill Gates family. Okay. So his kids went to school here, like over in Bellevue and his deal. And people talk about this. He didn't give his kids phones until they were 14 or 15, you know? So it's like, I don't know that even to me is like, okay, well, you know, you got the, the weight of being Bill Gates kid, you know, I don't know how you deal with that anyway, but yeah. it's sort of like you, kids don't really need, they don't need internet phones. And this may seem dumb. I'm just talking from a, a developmental psych perspective. It does nothing for them. It's zero empty calories, you know, popcorn. Even and we're though. seeing the the eye eyeglasses and things like that. I've talked to ophthalmologists, and it's skyrocketing in America. How many kids are having to wear eyeglasses that never happened before? So, right. Yeah. But I think as far as gradual use, um, George and and Cynthia, um, I think that George, what you just hit on that we need to gradually teach them how to use a screen as a tool and not a toy. And that is the defining factor in our house. We need to use yeah, academics. Yeah. the screen cool. as a tool to look up how to make something, look up a recipe, look That's up how cool. to screen your baseball bat. But the minute you start using it for a toy, we don't allow that in our house at all. There, And we also only use, um, we don't use screens for our social life and we don't use screens for our entertainment other than watching a family movie. So yeah. we're not anti-screens. We're only interested in using screens for tools and yeah. not for toys. So that's a real good way to explain it to your younger kids that are coming up the question maybe here um, about how do we start gradually introducing it. And if you get them used to that, well, honey, is, is this a tool or a toy? What, you know, then they kind of get, oh, okay, when well, our family, we use screens as tools and not as toys. Our entertainment is offline and our social life is offline. I love that. Thank you very much. I'll remember that. That's brilliant. Me too. I think that's a good quote, a good Melanie Hempy quote right there. We need to keep that. Yes. Um, let's, we only have about um, 15 minutes or so. And so I wanted to get to some of these kind of more live questions that has, have come up in the chat. Um, one says tips to get spouse on board. We kind of, Georgia kind of hit on the divorce family situation, but what if you don't have a spouse that's on board? Um, she says he has heard quotes from the book. He's heard summaries from posts and podcasts and isn't on board because it's the way our society is now. Uh, okay. Uh, the way our society is now. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, logically there's a lot in our society that's not particularly healthy for anybody, you know, um, so yeah, you know what I, but, but the question is about spouses, right? I mean, tell me again, Mandy, go, go over that one again. Don't sure. Um, tips to get, uh, basically to get an unsupportive spouse on board, what they've heard the quotes, they've heard the things. Oh man. Mm. Oh, you gotta so, read your book, George. Yeah. Yeah. In the book, I do have a, uh, I have a, uh, a little part in there for dads because I've noticed dads seem to be more, I don't know, dads seem to be more oriented, oriented toward, you know, mechanical things and dads seem to be oriented more toward, you know, getting into this with their sons and not so much with their daughters. Anyway, one of the things that I uh, pointed out, and thank you, um, Ellen, I try to make in the book is if parents can like future pace this a little bit because what I, what I tell parents who aren't on board with it is like, uh, you know, tell me if I got this wrong, my friend, but uh, what I see is if you let your kid play video games, uh, well, let's just stay on video games right now. He's not going to get better with that. He's just going to get worse and worse and worse. 
And if you want to be, if you have like, you know, fantasies about him graduating from college and having a career, he's not going to do that. You know, I don't know what he's going to do, but whatever he's going to do is going to make it easy for him to continue playing video games. So he, he's not going to be using his full talent. The only, the only one thing you can do is ask parents to future pace a little bit. And if a parent says that's bull, I don't believe that. Well, you can't do anything about that. You know, you, again, uh, you're dealing with a, a legal situation where, you know, one parents have rights, et cetera. But um, you can future pace it a little bit. You can, uh, you can help parents understand that. Uh, it shouldn't become, I don't know. I don't know. You know, you, you don't want to get into a push and pull, make that part of the combat between parents. Uh, where, so the kid starts le leveraging it. And, and at the same time, I think when the, when the child just thinking about this, when the child is with you, you know, in a split parent, split household situation, when the child's with you, uh, you have to model a quality of life and an enjoyment, enthusiasm for life that doesn't involve having your nose in a screen all the time. And kids, you know, give kids credit. They'll pick up on that, that that's healthy. Um, when the, both parents are together in the same household uh, and that's happening, uh, to me, that's a, a call for something like family therapy. You know, I mean, I would just, if I were one of those parents, I'd be saying, okay, we got we to gotta get somebody involved in this that, that doesn't have a dog in the fight because I am seeing what this is doing to my kid's head. And, and I want to, to work with a therapist who can, who, who, who can help us kind of get bigger, you know, than our own little biases about this. And with regard to that, uh, end of my rant here in a sec. Watch out who you recruit as your therapist because most therapists, mm -hmm. most psychiatrists, I'm sorry, most family doctors, most, right, they're not following the wisdom of the American Academy of Pediatrics with regard to this uh, because here's the deal, guys. Parents have to make a living. And this is what we see here. You know, you guys, this is no, you know, and I, all the, the people that are here today, I hope that, you know, you guys get a chance to talk too. you know, the people that are attending here. I, but both parents having to work, uh, that's a cruel uh, Sophie's choice to make, that both parents have to spend all their time, you know, pleasing the boss because kids don't develop in a, in a, in a vacuum when parents are just come and go parents. I'm sorry, it's, it's a, ho a horrible choice to make. And it, you know, that can spill over into, you know, dealing with, you know, people at yes. work, you know. But anyway, uh, I go on and on. It's not easy. Yeah, and it's the best babysitter that's ever been invented, unfortunately. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It is. So, yeah. Right. It is. It's very tempting. It's the perfect. Very thing. tempting. Yeah. It's like and, the world or something. Yeah. We have to go back to the toilet brush. Babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, on a more, maybe more fun topic, but what are just some pragmatic suggestions somebody is wondering for when it's too cold for kids outside? I live in Michigan. My kids are one years and four years. So what if you have, you know, a ton of snow on the ground, it's freezing temps. Like, what are we supposed to do if we're just stuck inside all, all day? Read, 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 read. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most important thing that you can do with your children is to read. And if people want to email me, I can tell you, you know, a bazillion books, but it's, um, it really, really is important to learn how to read um, and to 
um, you know, to do artwork, to do puzzles, to figure things out. Um, yeah, to be excited about learning. So I taught my kids to read, seriously, I'm not kidding, um, by using their favorite yogurt on Windows. And um, so I'm sorry, not to read, but to do their letters. So um, they would stick their fingers in strawberry yogurt and then do that. You can imagine what the windows look like. But, um, <laughs> but to this day, you know, they're unbelievable readers, as are my grandchildren, etc. cetera. But um, reading is so exciting and to learn how to write. Um, students don't like to write anymore. The letters aren't that important anymore. You can't read it. But I had a teacher saying, excuse me, uh, students, high school kids, if I can't read your handwriting, you're going to have to come in after school and orally do the test. So writing isn't important anymore, but it truly, truly is. So the more you can read with your kids, and even through high school, I was reading kid, uh, books with my kids, and they go, Mom, seriously, we're in high school now. Sorry, we're reading it together. So last summer, I had every one of my students read um, the narrative of Frederick Douglass, and we drilled down on it because it's not taught in schools. And, um, and to understand about... Frederick Douglass's life. And it was, you know, truly amazing. And they had to write papers on it. So, yeah. Um, I love that, that reading thing. And that's a way to communicate values too. You know, parents, they want to communicate to their kids, find kids books that communicate those values and yeah. start reading them to them. The other thing that just, I can't get it out of my mind before screen media, I used to see this all the time. Kids would put on little plays there are lots of little actors out there. You know, give me a little play. They love to do it. They're little yeah. show-offs. You know, they, they're really, you know. So there's so many things. It's like, it's not, you know, I, and again, the electronic babysitter, it's just, it's empty calories, guys. You know, it's empty calories. Uh, I love this thing with reading. That's, that's really true. And, you know, and cooking and so forth. So, you know, that's yeah. really fun. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, to just really have fun with the kids and to really enjoy it. So um, yeah, and I used to, um, it's crazy, but um, who's going to do, I would have this tour list. I know people don't do that anymore, but um, we would do, um, who is the stronger person as far as, um, you know, you, you, with my sons um, in high school, I'd say, okay, I can beat you, you know, as far as arm wrestling goes. And then who's going to do the dishes tonight? And they'd go, um, okay, mom, that's not possible. But I had really worked out, so I got them. And then as time went on, of course, <laughs> but things like that. But um, yeah, to just try and have fun. And, um, and then I would and quiz kids, you know, um, when did the Civil War start? You know, who was, you know, whatever. So have them memorize all the presidents. So. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, this may be our last question because it might take us just a few minutes, but I think it's really important. It's a real good one. But it says, um, my question revolves around identity development um, that you were kind of talking about before. I loved your emphasis on this in the book. As a, so as a school social worker, I have seen a lot of middle schoolers who, when asked the question, who are you, immediately respond that they are gamers. I would love your thoughts on how you have helped kids you've worked with begin to see that they can have an identity outside of games. Wow. 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 I Great mean, question. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. Okay. So, so my story on this is like, uh, wow. Yeah. That, that, that's sort of understandable too. You know, when you ask people, who are you? The first thing they're going to tell you is what their sort of role is. You ask an adult that they're going to say, you know, I'm a computer nerd or I work at Microsoft or I'm a therapist or whatever that's just the beginning 
right? That's the social role, the professional role, the academic role they play. So, I mean, one of the things to place to go with that is like, let's drop a level lower than that. Who are you? Let's go lower than that. Who are you? One of the, uh, just a story around this. I, I don't know how this ties in with it, but I worked with a kid one time who was a, uh, had Tourette syndrome. And I know about that. My own kid is diagnosed with Tourette, was diagnosed when he was like, you know, four or something. And this kid's tick, his, his tick was he had a shriek three times exactly the same way in a row. And he would do this like 10 times an hour. He would shriek very loud, shriek, shriek, shriek. I won't do it. I used to do these things, but I won't do it now. <laughs> blow out your, I'll blow out your media. Anyway, one day he, and that made high school hell for him. And he would, you know, oftentimes get taken out of class and it made it hell for the school district too, because like, you know, whatever, we can talk about the constitutional, his constitutional right to an education and the other kids constitutional right to an education. But anyway, so one day one of his teachers asked for that topic, like, who are you? Give it to me in one page. And this kid said, and this was like, has seared into my mind what he said. He said, I am he who goes to school one day, you know, day after day, after having the day before gone through this humiliation of, you know, my syndrome being thrown out and the social isolation, all the things that go with it. I am he who stands up, gets on his bike and goes to school again. And so in terms of identity development, identity develops, folks, in my humble opinion, one of the crunching ways it develops is by going through all these little rites of passage, you know, like how he figured his way through this. We all got to do it. You guys that are here, you know, all you moms that are here, you know, you've had to figure your way through these rites of passage, you know, like how do I deal with this impossible situation? And so that's why real world experience is so important because in the, in the you know, playing video games, it's all, you know, it's all virtual. Nothing touches you. Nothing makes you hurt. Nothing makes you feel joy. So yeah. I don't know. I'm going on and on. But as my grandmother used to say, get your hands in dirt. Yeah. What are you doing that's making you real? Yeah. Love that. Love that. Okay. Well, closing down, um, just kind of closing up a little bit, wondering if you all have just some final words of encouragement for everybody here. We've so, so loved and enjoyed this conversation. Cynthia? Um, thank you. This is, um, it's a delight to talk with people about these issues and so forth. At the end of the day, it's about family and who you are and you're in charge. Even though it's an odd thing for parents to be in charge these days, kids tend to be in charge. You are in charge. Your values, your morals, your thoughts, your ancestry, who are you and then who, you know, and dispel that, dis, disperse that upon the children. But um, I think it's, um, I admire parents today. It's not an easy task. Every generation of parents has had to go through things. And this generation of parents, it's not easy, but you can do it. I think the screen strong challenge and the screen strong um, uh, website is remarkable. I, I would highly recommend that and I do recommend it to all of my students, families. Um, and it's really so, so important um, 
that we that we do this together and uh, have 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 uh, opportunities like this today. Thank you. I just want to cap on what Cynthia says. I, I think that's absolutely right. Um, the the note that I would leave it with is the the image that I've had I have in my mind, and I know Cynthia has in hers of families that have sort of had the courage to deal with this and just say, it just takes raw courage, folks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, there's no way around it. Some, some things aren't easy, but it takes raw courage to stand, you know, and say, no, not in this family. And when we've seen families do that, assert themselves as Melanie's family has, what we see are happy, healthy families. And here's the deal. Uh, I love the screen challenge piece. It can happen quite quickly, actually. You know, mm -hmm. it can happen quite quickly. You know, that is, this, this isn't this dependence. It's a dependence. It's not like a hardcore, you know, there's a lot of hardcore addictions out there. This is one that parents can rock, you know, out of the cradle and get rid of quite quickly. But it takes, you know, the willingness to, to you know, kind of face the fire, point their toes to it, toward it, and walk toward it and face it. And when they do, they will, uh, you know, uh, you know, they will survive. They will prevail. Their family values will prevail. So um, I just want to leave, let parents know that it is not an impossible task. It may look like that, but it's not. Uh, it's 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 something that they can do. They they can accomplish, and the the rewards on the underside are marvelous. So and uh, you know, to cap on uh, what uh, Cynthia was saying about. I love this idea of taking the challenge. Try it for one week and then try it for two weeks and then keep going. I do have one more thing to add on to what you said, George. I, I had a student um, the other day who was saying, yeah, my best friend is a gamer and so forth and I tried it for a few days. It was so boring. He said, reading is so exciting. Screens are so boring. I loved it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Melanie, do you have any closing thoughts? you'd like to say before we close no i just need my kleenex because way to go george you're over here making me cry um, <laughs> because you're right we have to be courageous and we need each other to do this we can't do this on our own and i was very lonely in my quest years ago and um and that's why i started this group because we need parents to bond together and we need people and professionals like y'all and the experts out there just like y'all to get in the fight with us and we so appreciate your time today this is so valuable you have no idea thank you so much yeah thank you. really really melanie i was just deferring to you so i could gather my choked up <laughs> thanks mandy <laughs> sorry i didn't know. i'm having to wipe away my tears <laughs> i know when george when you said no not in this family i just that resonated with me because it's something we said almost a year ago just you just finally get fed up and say no we're gonna do this different so yeah Okay, well, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you, George and Cynthia. Thank you for everybody who tuned in. And if you're listening to the recording, um, we just hope you got so much out of it. Just real quick as we close, I just wanted to announce officially to everybody our next book for next month for February is going to be The Collapse of Parenting with Leonard Sachs. Dr. Leonard Sachs, you guys so, so good. This is a oh, this is going to be your next best favorite book outside of Breaking the Trance. It's great. So look for our Zoom announcement for next month. But basically, we will have a podcast with him. So we'll be looking for that in February. And then at the last Friday of the month, we will have a session like this. So get your questions ready and all of that. Um, you can head over to our website, screenstrong.com, to learn more about the challenge that we talked about today, if you're not familiar with that. Um, and be sure, if you haven't already, join our Screen Strong Families group. 
That's a private group on Facebook. If you can't find it for some reason, just email us um, team at screenstrong.com and we will just send you the link quick so you can join that. Um, but that's growing every single day. It's so exciting to see the community coming together and families really supporting families in this journey. So um, be sure to share with the people in your life that need it. So until we see you again, make sure you stay strong. Thanks everyone. Mm -hmm.